views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America. Tuesday morning, 9.05, another edition of the award-winning Authors Hour radio program on Smoke at 99.9 FM and 1380 AM since 1954. Alexa, Apple, and future broadcasts of this here will be on a podcast at anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Barber. And we have an exciting book today to talk about. The Silent Count, a thriller by E.A. Somerdo. And she is a lady, a very first book, and very exciting. I read the first three chapters yesterday, and I was lucky to get her hooked up for today's show. And as you know, WayneWNRIDeYahoo.com for any birthday or PSA announcements. And today on Happy Birthday, my oldest granddaughter, Erica Megan Smith, our spank right here from Owen Socket, 37 today. Uh, Nicole Ayette is 40 and Otis Ellis 58. Uh, tomorrow on the 14th of December, Sean Millett, who's back here from Germany, spending some time here. And Natalie Spink, which is Erica's daughter, my oldest great-granddaughter. She's a senior this year at Winsocket High. Big happy birthday to a couple more family members. Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com. I'll see transportation and limousine services provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks today. And that Ford really went through that five inches of snow from the Connecticut Green Valley. And my beautiful receding hairstyle by the Worcester Hair Company, celebrating one year in business right now. And you know, tomorrow is. Tomorrow is Prince Spaghetti Day, or is it Hump Day? Now I'm showing my age. But it's also a recipe for a good day, sponsored by Little General Stores. And the sales, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it out of the bag today, a day early. Sirloin tips, $8.89 a pound. Chicken leg quarters. You know I'm a leg man, 89 cents a pound, no limit. I mean, I'm going to get 10 pounds on the way home. Chuck roast, $4.89. Perfect time now with the pellet stove with a wood stove. Put it right up on top. Make your own crock pot on top of your firepower. Chuck roast at four eighty nine a pound. And participating little general stores. I try to get some stuffed mushrooms for a special guy this morning on the way in. But as you know, they're all locally owned and operated, so they determine their inventory and the specials. And then sometimes, like in Harrisville, where I do my shopping, they'll extend a special an extra week if they've got the uh, quantity and uh, the manpower to do it. Little General Stores, what a great franchise. A great delis, and they're all open eight days a week. Holiday greetings from Paul Parizzi, uh, dog grooming right there on 12 Money Hill Road in Chapachet from the fine folks, Rayana and all her staff. Thank you very much and have a healthy new year in 2023. And if you're looking for a sign right now, maybe 
you stay out of the way because this is where we plow or special parking here under icy conditions. That and so much more by one of the best graphic designers going. Uh, just her name alone will uh, attract you to the business. Desiree with three E's over at American Beauty Sign Works. Give them a call. 401-767-2922. You only got a few weeks left for the Christmas celebration. Brand new sponsor today, Automotive in One Socket. Always room for one more, especially when you know how to turn those wrenches. Time, Timeless Motorsports LLC. Located at 68 Arnold Street. Right across from Jimmy at 401-541-1018. And uh, cars, trucks, um, light trucks, engines, transmissions, you name it. They do it all. No job is too big or too small at Timeless Motorsports, LLC. Give them a call. Schedule an appointment. Pick up and delivery service. 401-541-1018. Monday through Friday, it's going to be 9 to 6. And then Saturday, 9 to 2. At Timeless Motorsports. Right here on Arnold Street. I'm going to sneak in just one more commercial because they got a special going on today. And that's Mr. Z's Restaurant. Right up there on Route 44 in Chapatra, Rhode Island. Because they've added it on. This is week number two for new owners. And uh, be rest assured, Nanette is still there. She's staying on with the new owners because she has such a great following. She gives me a big hug every time I go in. No charge. But now they're open Tuesdays and they've added on a brand new menu item. Taco Tuesday. Ten different selections. And always homemade bakery products. I'm going to give you permission. On this particular restaurant, you'll see that case with all the uh, beautiful desserts in there. I can't take it. I can't wait. So I have my dessert first and then I have my entree. Uh, You got my permission to do it. It's that good. Mr. Z's Restaurant. Pizza, pasta, salad. Mediterranean Mediterranean flavor there. I was telling the guys about the loaded pizza. And that's it. 2400 Putnam Pike, Route 44. The old past Lakeside Restaurant. Uh, No delivery service, but you can call in and get a takeout at 401-239-3800. Also, live music. Uh, last week they had it on Thursday. This week they're going to have it on Wednesday. And it's going to be JVD Entertainment Wednesday from 5.30 to 8.30. On the line right now, we have our very first author of the day. The name of the book is The Silent Count. And boy, it is a thriller. And um, I can't wait to uh, discuss this with this uh, female author. Let me give you a little bio here right now on the author. And it's E.A. Smirlodo, O-L-D-O on the end. And she's a novelist, musician, and a nuclear engineer. This is her debut novel, The Silent Count which blends her scientific expertise as a nuclear engineer specializing in weapons, nonproliferation, and real-world-inspired drama. She's a Washington, D.C. native and also a Washington Area Music Association Award-nominated singer-songwriter. Jeff, he's got his interests up now. 
and she's won numerous prizes in writing competitions. Now, a little synopsis without giving it away. She's determined to stop climate change before it's too late. Nuclear engineer Dara Baldwin's life is a mess. She's paying off her dad's gambling debts, reeling from a broken engagement, and practically invisible at the energy research agency where she works. Meanwhile, her ex Jericho's latest single is racing up the charts. And her handsome new colleague, Dimitri, is friendly with everyone but her. All around them, wildfires, floods, and other natural disasters have become the norm. But Dara has an audacious plan to reverse this trend. Good morning. How are you today? Great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for writing this book. I really, really enjoy it. And what inspired you to write this book? Um, well, I have um, told the story about uh, the origins of the book, the origin story, and uh, it's it's becoming even more, um, uh, it's hitting me harder today because, you know, there was just a big breakthrough in nuclear fusion that's been discussed, so it, it brought me back to my, my school days, but this the origin story of the book is um, I was in college, and in in the old version of my textbook for nuclear engineering, it said on the first page that you could use nuclear weapons to um, do various positive things, like extract oil from shale uh, and um, create harbors, but also to move, eliminate certain mountain ranges to create more favorable weather patterns. So I thought at the time, wow, someone needs to write a crazy science fiction novel and use this as a premise, but no one did, so I I just thought I'd step up. I think Russia has experimented with this with this theory already in their country's history. I remember reading about this where they were trying, especially up in Siberia in that area, on how to make artificial clouds or disperse clouds, and uh, they were really intense about it for about a five-year period when they had the extra money. Do you remember reading about that at all? Yes. So um, during the Eisenhower administration, there was something called plowshares in the United States where they were coming up with all these different peaceful uses of nuclear energy, and the Soviets had their own version. And I think they, um, they did create artificial lakes, for example, in Kazakhstan, yeah. and um, have talked to countries like India about it. So this, this was really a thing back in the day, although uh, I, this, this book is not meant to be a recommendation. It's uh, set slightly in the future, and the hypothetical scenario is that things go bad with the environment, so um, the government, in their um, typical overreach, decides to uh, to use this, this uh, method to... Uh, basically keep the voters happy. To verify that, uh, in Kazakhstan, the U.S. Olympic, uh, not Olympic, the U.S. ice fishing team, we have such a team that's assembled every year and enters world tournaments for ice fishing, and they call it palm fishing. 
and I've interviewed the uh, participants from the ice on my outdoor scene program on Sunday, um, the U.S. ice team. And uh, one of the tournaments, I think it was three years ago, was in Kazakhstan, uh, with former Soviet country, you know, years and years ago. And the lake they were fishing on, I remember it distinctly. It was 180 feet deep, man-made by one of these explosions, and then stocked with fish. And I think it was 11 years later. You can eat the fish. Everything, there's no problems. So it can be done. And then the last 48 hours, uh, the alarming news flash of the discovery of what's going on with fusion for energy now that doesn't create any waste is uh, just changing the whole game plan right now. Yes. Well, it will be a while before... Um we can do anything commercial with it because I believe that you need to create a whole grid, a whole new type of grid to go with the the, the plants that they would build. However, um, think about it. You know, the I think the iPhone came out 15 years ago and it's revolutionized everything. And here we are today, and it seems like those 15 years have gone by in a flash. So, um, you know, the, the technology of the future, we can't even imagine where where that's going to go. And um, it, it does. It does make you you wonder. Wow, what's what's in store for our those uh, those wonderful grandkids and great grandkids you uh, you mentioned with their birthdays? Uh, think of what the future holds for them. Now, with your education in this field and writing this book, I've got to ask you something over the air. This is not pre-rehearsed. As far as climate change is concerned, in your mind, is it already too late? Um, I personally, I don't think so. I think that um, there are a lot of smart people out there that are, are working on this problem. I, I like to think that technology holds our um, our answer, um, and I don't just mean in terms of better, uh, you know, better um, energy technologies. We we all know that you know nuclear does not release emissions. There's there's lots of different. Um, you know, there's lots of different renewable possibilities, renewable energies, although I, I think that those need more work to be truly commercially viable. They do get a lot of money from the government to make them um, more uh, cost-effective. But, um, you know, there are other other possibilities, too, like uh, different technologies that pull carbon out of the air, that, that um, carbon capture technologies that I hope will go somewhere. You know, as I said, 15 years, 20 years from now, um, we may be, be having a whole different conversation about um, the world just because of, of technology and how quickly it, it goes. Um, in the United States, you know, profit is really important. So I, I'd like to think that these things can be commercially uh, palpable to, to people who, uh, who are in that business. So, um, and it might not be just the United States. You know, other countries are working on this too. So let's hope that 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 this will will go in the right direction i i don't think we're doomed though i i know there's a lot of people that have been saying that we'll be doomed for for many many years and i i just think that that's not very that's, that's not a very um constructive conversation we have to talk about what we can do i've got educated now more on the situation with ukraine uh after watching the uh 
HBO series Chernobyl. And now I get into the Ukraine and I see they're very, very delicate around the bombing of these uh, nuclear plants. And I believe right now there's 18 of them in the Ukraine. But also I realize what's going to be happening in Germany, the third largest industrial power in the world. People are not aware of that, how they've bounced back. But also France. And France has one of the highest concentrations of nuclear power plants in the world. And I think uh, what happens with Russia and Ukraine is not going to affect France as more of it's going to affect Germany and especially England. Am I correct in that assessment? Um, well, the... The power, um, the nuclear power that, you know, the Ukrainians generate, um, I, I worry about, um, you know, the safety, not not so much, you know, Russians bombing the planet itself, but the spent fuel, the areas around it. Uh, I know that um, Germany has talked about, um, you know, closing down their facilities, whereas France, you know, decided that wasn't the right way to go. And I think Germany, because they rely so much on Russia for their power, um, you know, for their for the gas, <clears throat> if they're shutting down all their plants, then then they have to deal with Russia. You know, they and and that's that's part of the problem. So with um, with you know Russia and uh, Ukraine at war. Germany has to make some tough decisions about where it wants to go. I'm hoping that that they won't shut down all their nuclear power plants, that they won't decommission them, but they'll they'll uh, realize that that's probably better for them to keep that going. Now, France, on the other hand, does have nuclear power. They have 80 percent or more, and um, you know they're just not right. You're correct; they're not going to have the same types of problems. Um, you know, we we hope that. Um, you know, we hope that nothing so far they've averted terrible, terrible disaster with a meltdown in um, or or with a, a spent fuel pool, uh, you know, explosion or criticality problem in Ukraine. But, um, you know, that that situation, right, it's very delicate. We, we hope that that, um, you know, we hope that people will be reasonable about, uh, you know, not not to. Uh, not causing that to be um, the the biggest disaster it, it, man has ever known. I mean, we thought Chernobyl was bad. You know, we we don't want. I mean, Zaporizhia is a huge, massive plant. So, um, but we we just hope that 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 doesn't happen. Now, also, uh, England five days ago reopened a brand new coal plant. Uh, first time in a long, long time to counter-react to what's you know going to be happening over there. It's going to be, a, as the uh, HBO Game of Thrones would say, it's going to be winter is coming. It's going to get very cold. Mm-hmm. But you've also touched in your book uh, capturing carbon from coal and other ideas that we should consider right now to alleviate some of this problem. Right, and it's, you know, the technology is not where it needs to be to make that commercially viable, but I'd like to think that, that you know, with enough work, it, it, um, it'll it get there. I mean, you know, there's whole countries that their whole economy is based on fossil fuel. Will they stop producing fossil fuel? 
we, we have no say over what they do. So we, we can do what we can in our country, but, but what about the rest of the world? Some, some places, you're right, um, England, they are reliant on, um, you know, coal in this, this one plant there. They just reopened. Uh, they do have nuclear in England, but, um, they, you know, they're still, you, people are still using coal. You know, China, they, they are still using coal over there, although I know they've, um, they've built a lot of nuclear power plants. I think that that, that, if they can do some, you know, come up with the right technology, and I know there's a lot of controversy about it, but at least that will hedge off if people do choose to continue to use fossil fuels. Because as I said, we have no say in what a lot of other people do. How did you um, join or join together, well together, music and how it influenced your writing of this book. Can you tell me how that gave you the inspiration to do more writing by combining music? Sure. Um, well, I was always musically inclined, as, uh, as many engineers and scientists are, I find. Um, there's just something about it. It serves a, a lot of synergy. So I... I played a lot of guitar when I was growing up and loved to sing and wrote songs for fun and eventually decided to uh, start a band. <laughs> so I, I did have a band when I was younger and I, I still play, um, you know, in my, my bedroom. But uh, <laughs> I wrote many songs. So, so in the story, um, I thought one of the characters could be a musician and a lot of the song lyrics are woven through the book. And if people would like, they can actually hear some of the songs from the book on YouTube, performed by me and my my little band. So um, that's on my YouTube channel at EA Smeraldo. How long has this book been out now? Um, since the summer, I released it, and um, it's just been a wonderful, uh, just so many wonderful surprises talking to you, talking to so many people around the country on different podcasts and radio shows, and just getting getting to know some of the readers and there there have been a lot of some accolades i i won a first prize in a in the book fest uh political thriller category in their competition so it's it's just been a a really wonderful experience did you go it's been great too solstice did you get out there and do any book signings or did the uh, virus limit that well everything i've done is, has been online in fact i there was a just uh, um, on the 3rd of December, there was a online holiday party so uh, called Jingle Books, which you can also see online. So I read from the book and we, um, we, I, I illustrated it with Barbies. I made all these little, little dioramas with Barbies. So if anyone wants to see that, it's on a, you can just look up Jingle Books uh, on the, the YouTube, on YouTube. So, um, yeah, there, there haven't been as much in person, although it is in, the book is in a physical store in the Washington, D.C. area where I live called Politics and Prose. So if anyone's in the Washington area, come on down. Are you, <laughs> you planning, can get it on Amazon. And, are but, you planning on coming out with this book in an audible edition? Uh, I, I have talked to my publisher about that, but so far it isn't. But I know a lot of people have asked. So I, I'd like to um, to really think about that. It's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great idea. It's people really have so many um, 
you know, long car rides, people are back commuting to their jobs, um, things like that. So, yeah, I think that would be a good idea. I'd like to. Uh, working on anything new? I am working on a sequel. Um, I, I was fortunate. I, I wrote the first chapter and submitted it to a um, short story contest. And it won um, a prize in the contest, and they put it in their anthology. So it's uh, the Loudoun County, Virginia, right on competition. So if anyone wants a taste of it, if they want to uh, Google that, they can uh, find E.A. Smeraldo, and it's called Diamonds. So, yes, I'm, I'm working on a sequel. I also, uh, you know, I, as I said, I'm, I'm trying to, um, to do more just more writing in general. I wrote an article recently um, about the making of The Silent Count or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If someone wants to uh, find that, that's on uh, um, booksbywomen.org. So, yeah, you can... Sounds like you're having a whole lot of fun. It really does. It's been really great. Now, I I consider this book satire in, in plain English. But I got it on a show that I watched on Netflix a couple of years. I think it was two years ago, 2020. No, maybe a year ago, 2021. And I remember seeing the first story about it. And at the time, Paramount owned it. And then Netflix bought it from Paramount, made it a movie. And it got some accolades. And it just gives me the same flavor as a movie that was on Netflix called Don't Look Up. Am I imagining that? <laughs> well, in a way, um, yes, it is a bit of a satire. I um, Actually, uh, some, some uh, uh, magazine, uh, journal called it a satire for our times, which made me feel really great. But um, yes. So the satire is, you know, think of a modest proposal by Jonathan Swift um, where people, um, writers use something, a very outlandish situation to point out truths about the world. So that's kind of what I'm doing in my novel. No one's expecting us to use nuclear weapons to solve the problem of climate change, but in the novel they do this, and in doing so... Um, they, it shows all the different um, disasters that can happen that have nothing to do with climate change, like, you know, um, people in the government, uh, you know, how uh, as a former federal employee, I can tell you, uh, <laughs> people are constantly jockeying for getting ahead. People are, are using, um, you know, their programs to further their, their own interests. People come in with an agenda of their own. So, so that's a lot of what goes on in the novel. So it does show that. And then this, there's this young woman at the center of it all who has her own problems. She's dealing with student debt and, you know, breakup of her boyfriend and her father is a gambling problem. So she's got all her own problems to deal with around all of this. So, yes, it is, it is a satire in that respect. Now, your target for this book, what would you recommend the age group for this book? Um, we have a lot of guardians and grandparents that listen to the show in this time of the year. They're looking for Christmas presents. Uh, what age group would this book be uh, targeted? Yes, um, I would say um, probably 
16 to 18 and over, there there are no real, you know, there's no um, there's no profanity. There's nothing like that in this book. It's you know, it does have a romance aspect. It's not something that you know a grandparent would have a, a problem giving to a younger person at all. Um, I, I think it is. Um, it probably would appeal to women more than than male readers. Maybe maybe some male readers would like it though because it's a it's a tech. I like to think of it as a techno thriller for women. So if you have any any women in your life who who enjoy science, they they would probably really love this. I, I'm I'm getting all the the female engineers are coming out of the woodwork sending me <laughs> sending me messages. So, um, so know, instead so of having a beach read, this one here is a fireplace read. I think so. Oh, yeah. And it could be a beach read, too. But, yes, uh, it's definitely something. It's a fast read, too. So if you want something engaging and exciting, it's a thriller, you know, to read over the holidays. I think this will be, this will be a good one. Are you the first author in your family? Yes. Well, let me rephrase it. I have a cousin who, um, you know, my all of our. I think I'm I'm the first generation in my family. This is our first generation to be fully literate. You know, everyone came over from Sicily and, um, you know, didn't didn't have a full comprehension of. They didn't. They weren't able to be educated back in Sicily. So, but I do have a cousin who went on and became a professor of English rhetoric. So he's he's written a couple of books. Yeah, he, but his are textbooks. So I think I'm the first author of fiction. Now, be honest, on your inner circle of friends, has you writing this book inspired any of them? Heck, I think I'm going to write a book now, too. <laughs> um, well, my sister's been working on a book, too, and I know that um, that she's she's gotten even more interested in, in getting it done. So in that respect, yes, I'm in a writing group. Everyone's working really hard, and I think it it was really exciting for them when my my publisher came through and, and sent me a deal. Um, and actually to see it come out, and not just come out, but, you know, to get, get some attention and win some awards, that's, I think people think, oh, she can do it, I can do it too. But I'm, I'm happy if people are being inspired, so yeah. And a lot of people, um, it, it inspired them to actually read a book, because everyone's so busy, you know, everyone's so busy working and reading things for their job or reading you know, the fine print in their paperwork. So um, some people, they haven't had a chance to read in a while, and they've read my book. So that's, that's been fun. Now, it seems like you have the right frame of mind to do a lot of different style writing. But while you're in this frame of mind, I'd like to have you just share with our listening uh, uh, audience around the world what happened to you. What was your expression the day the uh, truck backed up, the FedEx or the UPS, with your first cases of books, can you describe that feeling? Wow, it it really was mind-boggling, and it still is. It, um, and to see it in the store too that that's just uh, it's uh, you know because I worked on it for such a long time. Um, I, as I said, I was in a band and we had a CD and it was some time ago that that came out and to be able to recreate that feeling in, in this way, um, it, it makes me feel like, wow, you know, life is long. You know, people say life is short, but life is long. So 
you know, just that there's always something new and wonderful on the horizon. And this has definitely been something new and wonderful. Well, I want to thank you very, very much for writing this book, The Silent Count. And could you pronounce correctly your last name? Uh, yes, E A Smeraldo. Smeraldo. Oh, I was right. I yes. was right. And uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, you're going to have to do some more work on your website. I went on that last night. It looks like it's a work in progress. So uh, concentrate yeah. on that. Get your blog going. Get that second book going. And uh, get me a copy. I will. And people can find me on Twitter and YouTube and um, Instagram and Facebook. Just E.A. Smeraldo. I'm, I'm all over the place. And, and on Amazon, they can find my book if they'd like to buy it. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And tomorrow, you got to do me a favor. Have the best day of your life. I will. You too. Okay. Thank you. Thank okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that concludes the first part of the show. And uh, second part of the show is going to be brought to you by. Let me get prepared yet. Book Lovers Gourmet, your local independent bookstore, and she's open every day now, right up to Christmas. It's all hands on board. The inventory is coming in to fill the need at Book Lovers Gourmet. Also very receptive to local authors and local poets for uh, book signings and uh, art events, musical events right there at 72 East Main Street in Webster, Mass. I know the coffee's brewing. At the aroma is uh, coming right down the Blackstone Valley and they stock and sell Hogan Brothers Coffee. One of the best around, and by popular demand, it's also available by the pound. And all those pastries are by Phyllis Bakery. And uh, children's department, puzzles, you name it. Book Lovers Gourmet, Our official hours are 10 o'clock and on, 508-949-6232. What a great job she does. We put uh, 14 more titles on the Authors Hour Bookstore over the weekend. And by mention of today's show, I'll take another 10% off on that. And uh, a common way for doing search, I have over 500 titles on that website. Go by the year. Uh, the newest books, 2022. And it comes up over 50 titles that we've done this year. And it's the only place in the country, maybe the world, that you can listen to the podcast and listen to the author and what the book is about before you make the purchase by going on anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Bobber. Most of those late entries and 2021s are part of the Anchor podcast also. So you get a lot of bang for your buck on that before you make the purchase. Bullseye Shooting Supplies. I've got to mention it today because he had such tremendous success with it on my outdoor scene. We also did that Black Friday special for him that he really got swamped on. So Paul and Marcel's Wayne, I don't know what you're doing, but keep it going. And let's get this myth dispelled right now. There is no shortage on good quality ammunition. If you're shopping at the place that specializes and ammunition and firearms. Bullseye 
shooting supplies over 38 years right here on Park Avenue in Woonsocket. They opened 10 minutes ago on Monday through Saturday at 9.30 precisely. He's a former military man. And, you know, not like the big box or your competition or anything like that. You can get a blue card here, a test given daily by the professionals. Just a few of the small specials. Small pistol primers per 1,000 to the box, $79.95. Plenty of Glock firearms right there. The Henry rifles came in last Wednesday. How about uh, everybody said, oh, you can't find 22 long ammunition. He's got it by the cases. Uh, TAC-22 Long Rifle Performance Target. Regular price. You know what the price is at, guys and gals. $74.95 is your going price. He's got it on sale right now. $500 per box. $59.95. 9mm range ammunition. A box of 50. Only $19.95. And a box of uh, 1000 There's no shortage in bullseye shooting supplies. $299.95. Scopes, gift certificates, you name it. They got it all at Bullseye Shooting Supplies. 401-766-4409. That separates them so much from the rest. You know, they don't have the fishing department. They don't have the archery. They concentrate, and they're experts, on anything and ammunition, especially bulk and firearms. They're, They're the specialists on it. Now, I've got to change it up. I'm going to do one more commercial, and then I'm going to do the second half of the show here, and we're running out of time. I could have went three hours with that first one. But I noticed it again this morning on Route 44 coming in from the northeast quiet corner. A couple of pickups loaded, a couple of pickups with the trailers behind them. A couple had a wood stove, a washing machine, a lot of aluminum, and they're heading up. For the scrap metal, for the best prices around, just travel right up Route 44 heading towards Putnam. Just as you're leaving Rhode Island at 64 Tucker Hill Road, you're going to see on the left-hand side, right on Route 44, Ross Recycling. Because they pay the highest amount possible. They have six locations in Connecticut, multi-million dollar business, and give them a call ahead. At 860-928-7165, get the quote of the day or right up to the hour on any metal that you're going to be planning on scrapping. Everybody's looking for a little bit of pin money right now around the holidays. And we're talking aluminum, brass, batteries, cast iron, copper. Uh, They do a bang-up job. they got one person there. All he does is take apart electrical motors because there's valuable materials inside. Recycling at its finest at Ross Recycling. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday, 8 to 12, and they're closed on God's Day. Okay, that's 860-928-7165, Ross Recycling. And all those fine folks over at the fastest growing small business in Northern Rhode Island. They even got a he shed. Not a she shed, a he shed. Over at Northeast Race Cars and Speed. Also the home of Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair. With the best brake job in Northern Rhode Island. That's at Six Hill Road right across from the new toadies. 
Uh, the Cox phone number is 401-710-9992. Or Scott will ship out those speed pods anywhere by 11 o'clock Monday through Friday by calling the convenient 1-800-766-4748. Race car pod supplier and custom fabrication, they'll actually build you a race car or a race truck. And the race trucks have already wanted Seacock. Chassis setup, get it squared up before you even start. Simpson, MSD Ignition, Willwood, Moroso, so much more. Race car parts and service from a career-long racer, Shane Hopkins and his fine staff. And Herbie heads up that Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair with, oh, in and out, get it done repaired the first time. I'm making pretty good time here today. I'd like to thank our IT uh, for doing all the good work. And, uh, you know, through troubled times that we've uh, been going here with a couple of computer problems and health problems with people, and they are doing a great job, and I truly, truly appreciate all the extra effort. Now, I got just enough time here. I got 15, 16 minutes. As you know from listening, I've been on the air now this going in my 13th year in January. Uh, I was very, very lucky in our 50th wedding anniversary. Our children got together and said, we're going to send you on a trip. And they sent me and Susan to Bermuda. That would have been like five years ago, right around in May, I think it was. And while we were in Bermuda, I always have the swivel head and I'm trying to observe and absorb everything, especially in a different country. This was all new to me. So one of the days, I says, let's take this guided glass-bottom boat tour over to the capital, Hamilton, they call it. And we had a young couple that gave us the three-hour tour, and they were so knowledgeable. And when I sat right in front of them, was a great student I am, they really thrived on it and really went overboard. So on the way back, he pointed out on the left-hand side a place called Blunt Island. And he says, oh, that's the guy from the creator of The Wizard of Oz. He actually bought the whole island and made himself king of the island, a keeper of the reef. And I got that in my head and I started doing my research. This is five years later. And now it's culminating and very shortly you're going to read more news about it. We're talking about the man behind the Wizard of Oz, which originally was the wonderful Wizard of Oz. And you'll see the big distinction on the book that was made in 1900 versus the later copycat models. The original one, the wonderful Wizard of Oz, 1900, is the one you want to get. Now, the illustrator which we don't promote enough on the author's hour, the valuable work they do. I consider, honestly, William Wallace Denslow is probably the best this country has ever produced. He was an American illustrator and cartoonist, remembered for his work with author L. Frank Baum, especially his illustrations of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, but now the rest of the story. He was born in Philadelphia to a tobacco wholesaler. 
and then went to uh, schooling for just a short time at the National Academy of Design and Cooper Union in New York. But he's basically self-educated and self-trained. And in the 1880s, he traveled around the United States as an artist and as a newspaper reporter. He settled in Chicago at the World's uh, Columbian Exhibition in 1893 and chose to stay there for a while. He started doing posters, and then he started designing books and book plates. And then he went to work for a place called the Rowcroft Press. That's where he met Baum, at the Chicago Press Club. And besides the wonderful Wizard of Oz, this is what blows me away. Candelabra's glare, Father Goose, Dot in the Dot of Maryland, and other events and books that we're going to uh, read about. But Mother Goose was one of his also. And he has a collection out there too, very rare to find. Denzel's Picture Book Series from 1903 to 1904 that I've got my radar on to... Uh, Find them along the way. Not just the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman. And the amazing thing about him, he bought the island. He had a a lifelong lawsuit on copyrights with the writer of the book and him as the illustrator. And all the Broadway musicals and everything that was involved with this phenomenon. And then he finally, after all these lawsuits, started to get some of the royalties, which he bought, uh, Blucks Island in Bermuda. And he, then he crowned himself King Denslow, Keeper of the Reef. Now, he also wrote a second uh, children's book that he is heavily involved in, The Pearl and the Punket. And uh, that's for another day. But... The other thing on his personal life, and I keep digging and digging on this, and I find this guy so fascinating. He was married four times, sometimes three months, five months, six months, and then he would just walk away. He says, this is not good for me. And the three-hour tour that I had in Bermuda, it had been documented that he was one of the first superstars in the world that we know of that endorsed and was a frequent user of LSD. Now you know where he was getting all these images. The dancing monkeys, the aqua blue sea, the dancing sea, the way the light hit it. And I'm putting this all together in my head. And he changed his will and left everything to the fourth woman he was married to. The other part of it was, it's so sad, and I can see this happening. He died on March 29th, 1915, in the Knickerbocker Hospital in New York City of pneumonia, following a tremendous alcoholic bender. Okay, he died with $25 in his pocket. The last big block of money, he owned the island, named it after himself, made himself king. And then before he lost it, 
he sold it to another very rich person, the entire island, for $30,000. He went through that with his weaknesses in life and then died in, on Skid Row from an alcoholic bender. He's buried in Kensico Cemetery in an unmarked grave. And they have a, a stone for him on Grove Street Cemetery on the more elaborate family stone. It, it's such a fascinating story on a short life. But if you look at the books, the uh, different ones, the old woman who lived in the shoe, the black sheep, the cowardly lion, uh, these classics will live forever. And to come up with the imagination in that day and age, nothing digital. This is sitting down with the pipe in your mouth and um, you know making your copies first before it goes to the colors. And a lot of the colors weren't even available. You know, you made your own colors back at that time at the turn of the century. And then put it all together and then have to go with the lawyers for the next 20 or 30 years to what you think you're entitled to, you know, by bad business practices. What a turbulent life, and it's going to be a good book. All I know is that, and the more I dig on this particular personality, W.W. Denslow, the more it fascinates me. And uh, a whole Oz book series is out there in pieces, and they're highly, highly valuable. Don't be misled by the reproductions on that from the uh, knockoffs on that. Uh, Boroughville Motor Sales is open right now, and it's another multitasking company. Uh, it's also the home of Larry's 24-hour towing, lockout service, jump-starting service. Did you just get caught on that black ice the other night? Uh, download this phone number right now into your phone or your electronic apparatus, 401 568 6286. That also gets you in touch with Brian's Auto Repair. That's in house or to schedule a Rhode Island Vehicle State Inspection. Since 1922, and right now, Peter and Jerry in charge of the used auto and truck sales with new arrivals every day. Brian takes care of repairs, and they also have expert body work and insurance estimates. It's Boroughville Motor Sales, Larry's 24 hour towing and Brian's Auto Repair by calling 401-568-6286. The meaning of Christmas is held in our hearts and shared with family and friends. I'm sending you messages of faith and hope for a beautiful holiday season. All the fine folks at Larry's 24-Hour Towing. And let me see here. Linda wanted to put a holiday greeting in, too. She says the uh, clock is ticking. There's only a couple of weeks before the big day. And Christmas brings family and friends together. It helps us appreciate the love in our lives we can often take for granted. May the true meaning of the holiday season fill your heart and home with many blessings. By the fine folks at Harvest Moon Health Foods on Route 21 in Putnam, Connecticut. They also added in for the holidays by popular demand. Uh, she said they did a real bang-up job with this at Thanksgiving, and they're going to keep the products right through Christmas and New Year's. 
For all of your baking needs, they are carrying fresh ground cinnamon, nutmeg, pumpkin pie spice, and over 75 herbs and spices. Support your body's natural defense system. I do. Just a few of the things that I get at Harvest Moon Health Foods. They're located on Route 21 in Putnam, Connecticut. As you're coming up 44, heading towards Putnam, right at the traffic lights where the new car dealers are, just take a left. That's Route 21. You'll see the plaza right in front of you. No charge for parking and plenty of parking. Seven-day operation. And I get my elderberry pills there, my cranberry pills, my natural honey locally. It comes out of Woodstock. And coconut sugar, the brown stuff. If you're starting with type uh, diabetes and stuff, that's what they recommend. They stock it right there. How long has it been since you've been on the farm? They still sell raw milk at Harvest Moon Health Foods. It's totally legal in the state of Connecticut, and they have a loyal following. 860-928-2352. Harvest Moon Health Foods. The other great thing about Harvest Moon Health Foods, if you've seen something on your Facebook, on cable TV, on the social media, something new, sit down and discuss it with them. They're not afraid of inventory. And they're always adding on new items. They're not scared of inventory at Harvest Moon Health Foods. I like it. I usually go over Sundays. They're up on 11 or 3 on Sundays. And it's very, very convenient for me. Mr. Denslow, always keep your eyes and ear open for new subject matters if you're a writer. And then write it down so you don't forget it. And also we have, let me see, today is December 13th. So that means the reenactment of the Lively Literati by the Association of Rhode Island Authors. And uh, this week it's going to be Wednesday, December 14th at the Greenwich Hotel at 6.30 p.m. in the Updike Room. Quite a history on that room. That's at 162 Main Street in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, 02818 for the GPS. And the two children's authors... Followed by open mic for a five minute is Pat Cousineau and Gabriel Robello. Two different authors with children's books, followed by open mic at the Lively Literati. Whole lot of fun. And Poets at Large is growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, Carol Morinsky, she's been on the show five times now, is already setting up the 2023 schedule. Rosalind Park in the Barn over Woodstock starting in June. And the Rose Room Cafe at 4 East Main Street in Webster, Mass. Kicks off the 2023 season in February 26th. And they're also going to have one night in April on, uh, let's see, 420. It's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. So all the others are 2 to 4 in the afternoon. They're going to have one at night to see if that helps the crowds, too. And uh, she's also looking for poets on that, especially from Rhode Island. They're willing to expand into Rhode Island. See who we're going to get next week. Mapping America is scheduled for next week. And uh, also, A Piece of Me by Arif uh, Ahmad and Henry Histable by Tom Ring, an author from Pasco, Rhode Island. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Author's Hour. Uh, the name of the book was The Silent Count, available at Amazon and other locations. And remember tomorrow to have one of the best days of your life. 
and happy and holidays, safe holidays to everybody on our listening audience.